Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your faith and would help you to get to know God's love, grace, and mercy in a personal way. If you have any questions on the sermon or would like to know more about Maranatha, please visit us on the web at maranathafreelutheran.com or call our church office at 218-498-2808. Thank you, and may God bless. High school seniors here today, we, we celebrate with you this milestone in your life, and we wish each of you uh, God's best for your futures, and, and uh, you'll be getting cards and things that'll say much like that, I, I think, uh, probably most of them, and, and that's really what we wish for each one of you, and, and so this uh, next statement I'm going to say might seem a little strange, maybe even mean to say, but, but here it is anyway, I hope your life will be tough enough. Now, why in the world would I say something like that? Well, it, it's kind of in the same vein as what um, we see in, in Proverbs chapter 30, for instance, where, where it has these words. It says, Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is my portion, that I may not be full and deny you or say, Who is the Lord? Or that I might not be in want and steal and profane the name of my God. The author of Proverbs there reminds us of the danger of being too successful or too rich is that we end up thinking we don't even need God or that he doesn't even exist. And uh, I honestly hope that none of you ever become that successful. Instead, I hope that you have some serious challenges in your life that help you learn to daily look to God as your provider. And that's a lesson that it's best for us to learn when we're young. But it's one that we also will need to continually learn over and over again in our lives. And so I say to you who are older adults here as well, I hope your life has been tough enough. Tough enough so that you at times feel overwhelmed with life's challenges and daily then need to go to the Lord for strength and for help and for guidance. And there's a verse in the Old Testament book of Lamentations that drew me into the text we're going to look at today. Um, for this occasion. And, and the verse says simply this, it is good for a man that he should bear the yoke in his youth. My hope is that as we look at that verse in context today, it'll, it'll help us to understand more the ways in the heart of God and to understand his purposes for allowing those tough things in our lives and how he uses those tough things for our good. And my hope is that as a result, we will all be encouraged no matter what our age to hope in the Lord. I'd like you to look with me then at Lamentations chapter 3. And uh, Lamentations is that uh, small book right after Jeremiah, written by Jeremiah there in the Old Testament. Um, Lamentations 3, we'll be looking at verses 18 through 32. And I invite you now to stand in reverence to God's word. <clears throat> Begin with verse 18. So I say, my strength has perished. And so has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and the bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him 
to the person who seeks him. It is good that he waits silently for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he should bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone and be silent since he has laid it on him. Let him put his mouth in the dust. Perhaps there is hope. Let him give his cheek to the smiter and let him be filled with reproach. For the Lord will not reject him forever. For if he causes grief, then he will have compassion according to his abundant loving kindness. Let us pray. Lord God, I thank you for this passage that uh, gives us a glimpse into the life and times of Jeremiah and the people of Judah. And Lord, may we learn from that today uh, about you and about the things you allow in our lives. Uh, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Please be seated. The author of uh, my daily devotion one day this week reminded me of three recognitions that, that we need to all come to. The first recognition is this, that there is one ultimate authority who rules over this world and who knows what is best. And he, he elaborated on that point by saying this, in this recognition is the acknowledgement that I am never ultimate. That even if I am the most powerful person in the world, I'm still under his authority. Second recognition is this, that the one who is and the ultimate authority has set some boundaries that, that I've been designed to live within. And real life is found inside of those boundaries and not in discovering and experiencing what's outside of them. And, and then third recognition is this, that this side of eternity, I live in a world that moment by moment is full of temptations. And, and the world I live in then does not operate as God had intended, but it whispers seductive lies in my ears every day. That's from Paul David Tripp. It's, it's because of those very realities that God brings tough stuff into our lives. So we don't lose track of reality and, and think that we are actually in control and, and we can do anything we want and, and that there aren't any dangers in doing that. And, and so with that background, then look, let's look in this text today. And God causes affliction in our lives for his purposes. Jeremiah here in Lamentations chapter 3 uses this word affliction a, a couple of times. And that word means pressures or trials, tribulations. They might be to various degrees, but always those unpleasant things. Not naturally what any of us would want or ask for in our lives. I, I don't know anybody who prays, Lord, send more affliction in my life. But God does send affliction in our lives, and, and he does so for his purposes. And so if, if that's what it takes then to accomplish God's purposes in our lives, then affliction can be a good thing. And that's why I said earlier to you seniors, I hope your life will be tough enough. Some people think that, you know, well, a loving God, he should just send us flowers and sunshine and positive things in our life, right? And they don't grasp the reality of God's sovereignty and what, it, what Jeremiah describes here in Lamentations. If you look a little further on, verses 37 and 38, it says this. Who is there who speaks and it comes to pass unless the Lord has commanded it? Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that both good and ill go forth? 
So if you're experiencing affliction, whether that be due to your own bad choices or somebody else's, or due to circumstances beyond any human's control, recognize that God is in them and that he has his purposes in those things. However, affliction can lead people to despair. And Jeremiah and the people of the nation of Judah were feeling such despair. Their situation was likely far more dire than any of us are experiencing today. Their nation had been invaded. It had been overrun by an enemy army. The Babylonians had, had done to Judah similar to what Putin's Russian army has been doing to Ukraine. And I don't know just how they carried that out without modern bombs like we have, but, but Jerusalem, the capital city of Judah, had been leveled. Their homes and their livelihoods had been destroyed, and many people had been killed, and others were taken away into captivity as slaves in Babylon. And Jeremiah describes his feelings of despair. If you look back at the beginning of verse 15 in this chapter, he Here's his words here. He, referring to God then, has filled me with bitterness. He has made me drunk with wormwood. He has broken my teeth with gravel. He has made me cower in the dust. My soul has been rejected from peace and I have forgotten happiness. And so I say my strength has perished and so has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and has bowed down within me. So compared to those folks there in, in Judah, in, in Jeremiah's day, or, or compared to folks in Ukraine today, we in the United States of America really have it pretty good. But, but still, significant concerns cloud the horizon for us all. And young folks growing up in the current environment live with lots of fears and uncertainties. The generation born between 1997 and 2012 are often known as Gen Zers or Zoomers, uh, digital natives, the, the very first generation growing up with uh, internet access from a very young age. And, and such constant connection with the information around the world brings all of those problems from anywhere in the world right here to our fingertips and it gives our brains information overload and it weighs on us emotionally. And from the global pandemic to climate and weather concerns to increasing violence in our cities and political polarization on moral and economic issues, our heads are just left spinning. And in addition, many youth today feel added pressure from the constant bombardment from social media and the alarming increase of suicides and gender dysphoria seems especially prevalent amongst um, the social media connected Gen Zers. Members of the Generation Z re report higher rates of depression and a number of mental health conditions than do generations before them. There's this feeling of hopelessness that pervades them. In, in 2020, 37% of Gen Z adults reported being so stressed about the pandemic that they struggled to make basic decisions. 50% struggled to make major life decisions. And so how here you are, graduating from high school during this time and trying to sort out what to do with your life. Where do you look for hope and for direction? Where can those Ukrainians look these days? Where could young folks from Judah look in Jeremiah's day? 
Jeremiah gets his bearings from looking back. And as he does so, his soul remembers something. And you see verse 21 here, he says, And this I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. What he realizes is that his hope comes from reflecting on the character of God. Even when things seem to be falling apart around us, whether that be with young folks' plans for the future not turning out how you wished, or, or it be unseasonably long winter and then a very wet spring making conditions seeming impossible to get those crops in the ground for farmers. If we will stop and, and, and recognize these unchanging things about God, we will find hope. What are those things that he mentions? Verse 22, his loving kindnesses which never cease and his compassions which never fail. The ESV translates it this way, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Jeremiah is reminded that God's commitment to his covenant people is, is unwavering. It is steadfast. It does not budge. He, he loves them no matter what. And that love will not cease. To cease, what does that mean? It, it, it's to stop something and not start it again. I think of an old riding lawnmower of mine that ceased. The motor failed. To quit. It quit working a couple years ago. I still keep it around for some parts. Um, but it's never going to mow again. I visited with my neighbor just the other day and I found out their dog, Oscar, that used to come and run in my yard all the time, ceased. Uh, he won't be running around in anybody's yard anymore. Now they got a new dog. But God's love for his people will never cease. It will never come to an end. The, the Hebrew for this literally is, because of the steadfast love of the Lord, we are not cut off. Jeremiah is pointing out here that the sins of the people of Judah rightly condemned them to judgment. But because of God's steadfast love for them, they were still around. And this is also true for each one of us. If we each personally got what we deserved, we would all be condemned to hell. But God in his steadfast love and mercy provided a way that someone else, namely his son, Jesus Christ, would bear our judgment. And in Jesus' death then on the cross, we have this permanent reminder of God's great love and mercy toward all who will believe in his son. And Jeremiah also reminds himself of something else about God's character here. You look at verse 23, his Faithfulness it is new every morning. You know, there is no better illustration of the faithfulness of God than the sun. It comes up in the east each and every morning, consistent day after day, month after month, year after year, century after century. It is good for us to then, as we see that morning sun come up, daily remind ourselves God's been faithful to us in the past, and he will be in the future. Um, in 1 Samuel, it has these words, Hitherto, or thus far, the Lord has helped us. Or I think of that song, He's never failed me yet. He's never failed me yet. Jeremiah also reminds himself about God in verse 25 here, that he is good. That is his very nature. And he is good then to those who wait on him. To the person that seeks him. And you know, waiting is a hard thing to do. When it's past time 
to normally be in the field. It's hard to wait. Or, or when we have a broken bone that needs to heal, it's hard to wait. Or, or when we don't know what we should do with our life, uh, where we should go to school, or what kind of career to pursue. W waiting is a hard thing. But hope comes from waiting on the Lord and, and seeking Him. Uh, when tough times come, hope doesn't come from just trying to tough it out on our own. Hope comes from outside of ourselves. It, it comes from above us. Hope comes when we look to the all-powerful God who loves us with this everlasting love and has compassion on those who are hurting and who is faithful to those that he loves. Hope comes as we pause. As we pause from our scurrying around and we are in silence for a bit and we wait on him. I believe one of the reasons that God has given us the Sabbath day is so that we would have this built-in pattern of every seven days pausing from the scurrying around and we would remember who's really in charge in our lives and we'd look to him. We would pause in silence and, and listen to his word, let it penetrate our hearts. We would remember then that God is in control and he has plans for our lives. Hope comes in realizing then his purposes his purposes for even those tough things that go on in our lives. And, and hope comes, if you look at verse 27 and 28 here, it, it comes while or, or, or be even because of bearing the yoke. Now what's a yoke? So I understand it, it it's a wooden cross piece that goes across the, the necks of a, a, a couple of animals, attaching them together and, and then to the plow or cart or something that they pull behind them. And a yoke then is a means of controlling an animal and, and getting it to pull a heavy load. So why does Jeremiah say here it is good for a man that he should bear the yoke in his youth? He's saying that it's good for youth to learn discipline and control of God in their younger years. We, we have all seen people who in their younger years were undisciplined and out of control and whose lives went far down a path they never intended it to go. God would like to spare you a lot of unnecessary sorrow and regret by getting a hold of your heart while you're young. And, and so if you're going through some tough stuff, some afflictions and pressures in life, even now while you're in your youth, look on those things as, as God's way of getting your attention and, and drawing you to him. And if you're older and going through some real trials, he still wants to use those things to draw you to himself as well. I was uh, driving the other day um, to go visit my mother and, and uh, ended up listening to some CDs. Uh, and I pick up old CDs every once in a while. I happen to have a John Denver CD. And, and uh, some of you don't have a clue who that is. But anyway, John Denver uh, was a very popular singer back uh, when I was in high school. And uh, yeah, just a few years ago. Um, famous for songs like uh, Take Me Home Country Road. Or, or, thank God I'm a country boy. Maybe you've heard of some of them. Well, anyway, John Denver, during his life, was, was all over the board in his religious perspectives. Uh, but he grew up with a Christian mother. And he wrote a song about an uncle of his named Matthew, who became a good friend and mentor. Uh, one part of the song had these words. Well, I guess there were some hard times, and I'm told some years were lean. They had a storm in 47. A twister came and stripped them clean. He lost the farm and lost his family. He lost the wheat and lost his home. But he found a family Bible, made his faith solid as a stone.
What was it that this uncle hung on to when everything fell apart in his life? God's word became his comfort. Affliction drew him to God, and his faith was solid as a stone. If you're going through tough times, realize that God has purposes in those things. And let me lastly then just draw your attention to a few comforting thoughts in the midst of affliction. Look at verse 31 and 32 here. For the Lord will not reject forever. For if he causes grief, then he will have compassion according to his abundant loving kindness. And, and so remember these things here. That affliction will come to an end. God limits affliction to only as long as he sees fit. And for the believer in Jesus Christ, we know that ultimately he frees us from affliction and suffering forever when we get to heaven. And affliction here on this earth is, is partly to then to get us ready for eternity. And when God causes affliction, he shows pity once more, verse 32. And so remember what we said here, his compassions never fail. His compassion is there for, and he cares for you and hurts for you all, all along. And God does not send affliction willingly, verse 33, as if that would cause him joy. You're familiar with that saying of a parent disciplining his child who says, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. I think that kind of sums it up, even regarding God bringing affliction on us. One more comforting thought in the midst of affliction. If you look a little further on at verse 40. Whenever God has brought affliction into your life, his desire is to draw us to pause, examine, probe, and return. Verse 40, let us examine and probe our ways, and let us return to the Lord. And that word probe is an interesting word, isn't it? I think of it like a biopsy, okay? A probe being put into an area of concern to see if there's cancer. Think of affliction as God's way of getting our attention so that we pause and we examine our life. We, we probe and we ask ourselves and we ask the Lord, Lord, is there something I should be aware of that's not right here? And if that exposes then some sin that's not being dealt with, then the Lord Jesus invites us, return to him where we will find his grace and his forgiveness and his power to overcome. And as I think of a yoke today, I, I can't help but also then point you to those Words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 11 where he says, Come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and, and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Rest is found in forgiveness and, and, and putting God back on the throne of our lives, so to speak, allowing him to direct our lives. Paul David Tripp said this here, we, we all go through times in our lives when we slide into thinking that we are smarter than God. That is, that, that what we want for ourselves is better than what he wants for us. We, we chafe against what he has put into our, onto our plates and we rebel against what he's told us to live in his word. And, and so you see then, God brings affliction to draw us back to his plan. And as we look to him, then we recognize afresh his steadfast love, his compassion, and his faithfulness. Let's pray.
Lord, I, I thank you for your word today. And, and the Lord, as we think of the people of Judah and what they went through and, and young people seeing their nation uh, falling apart and, and uh, relatives uh, killed or being taken away, Lord, you cared for them and you had compassion on them. And Lord, you know the things we've been going through in our lives. You know what these high school seniors have dealt with these years of high school and the anxieties that that has brought into them. But Lord, I thank you that uh, they, many testified, Lord, too, that they've, they've been learning through this to trust you and to not worry about the future and recognize it's in your hands. And I, I pray that that would be true of them all of their lives. And, and Lord, that you'd help each of us to learn this over and over again that, that our lives are not our own, um, but they're in your hands. And so, Lord, we thank you even for the difficulties you allow in our lives, if that's what you use to draw us to look to you. Help us that we would do that each day, and we'd recognize your faithfulness in everything you've given thus far, and we'd continue to trust you for the future. Uh, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.